The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary... Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way with clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Welcome. My name is Timothy Saunders. I'm one of your trio of co-hosts on this 59th edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this early morning from hopefully the final lockdown weekend in southwest Turkey, which for many of you may be situated on the other side of the planet. As the dawn chorus begins to warm up here, hopefully many of you are relaxing into your evening, eager to hear some fascinating insights from our latest guest. I'll soon be joined by co-host and producer Kintia, together with co-host and researcher Annette Driscoll who are speaking this evening from the infamous wheelhouse in California. This show is entitled Bridge Over Troubled Water. On the eve of another World Freedom March, millions of people around the globe are preparing to demonstrate their dissatisfaction with this invalidated pandemic. In a list of cities too long to mention, as this movement continues to gain momentum, there are many new positive breakthroughs occurring all around the world, such as Oklahoma legislature passes a bill banning the mask mandate and COVID-19 vaccine requirements in schools. However, there are also some harrowing developments, such as the prime minister in Italy has ordered vaccination to be mandatory for all. While it may appear that each country is dealing with this scam in different local individual ways, the high altitude view shows an interesting common denominator. These puppet leaders are in fact acting together in unison, playing out their script to the beat of the same drum through the minority's conductor in the pit, otherwise known as the WHO. Did you know after all the chaos in Israel, the vax passports there are no longer mandatory? Apparently they have secured enough numbers there to openly state the system is no longer required. Well, I'd like to learn a little more about that. Are the tracking elements of their cell phone apps going to be miraculously deleted? Or should the mainstream population there simply believe this data is no longer being used? It transpired in the UK that vaccine victims were tracked for a significant period of time after the jab, of course, without asking the individuals themselves. Apparently, the minority simply warned people were moving around more or less after they had the jab. Reading between the lines, this violation of privacy, dressed up as an illegal survey, will have logically required a control. 
So either some vax victims took a placebo, or perhaps some individuals who have not succumbed to the jab were tracked to generate a comparison. As the Northern Hemisphere rolls forward into summer, many countries are seemingly relaxing their draconian measures, or at least outwardly talking about it. I guess it is challenging to maintain a state of fear-gasm through a second summer, especially when it is no longer flu season, and given the experimental jab is supposed to offer some form of protection. And this has, of course, led to people asking questions. It seems even more some people in office are finally finding their voice to speak out about the negative results and damage done to society following government guidelines and mandates during the COVID-19 pandemic. I listened to some members who were permitted to debate this in the Irish government this week. And some were also allowed to ask similar questions in the British government. The only problem here, in my opinion, is that both seem to be permitted to do so at the same point in time. Keith, please play Sand Excerpt A. Um, I think that there was some brilliant, uh, 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 like in much of the government system, there was many brilliant people at relatively junior and middle levels who were terribly let down by senior leadership. Um, I think that uh, uh, I think that the Secretary of State for Health should have been fired for at least 15, 20 things, including lying to everybody in multiple occasions, in meeting after meeting in the, in the cabinet room and publicly. Rosie? Oh dear. Um, in that case, do you think people should be worried about facing corporate manslaughter charges? I don't know about that because I don't really know what the kind of laws are and the, and the rules are, but I think, I think that, um, I think that there is no doubt that many senior people were just terrible. As I said in my opening statement, I think there's no doubt at all that many senior people um, performed far, far disastrously below the standards which the country has a right to expect. I think that the Secretary of State for Health is certainly one of those people. I said repeatedly to the Prime Minister that he should be fired. So did the Cabinet Secretary. So did many other senior people. That was an excerpt from a recent broadcast by Dominic Cummins, who is a British political strategist who previously served as chief advisor to British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. My question is why now? Surely this is some form of diversion to show the mainstream population that the government acted fairly by allowing certain individuals to criticize the establishment, which for many is unfortunately enough to put their mind at rest, to brush any uncomfortable issues under the carpet, and once again define the psychological barriers in their virtual cage. All is well and will be recorded in the mainstream history as such. However, in the awakened reality we know, all is not well, but there are more cracks appearing in the minority strategy than can be counted in the Three Gorges Dam, as will once again be demonstrated tomorrow all around the world as millions of people peacefully take to the streets while protesting. While protesting can unite people, it is not enough, in my opinion. It is necessary also to be aware of what is occurring, to research and find smart solutions, to become non-conform specialists even. This often means searching on both sides of our comfort zone. 
while I'm no great fan of Alex Jones or the way he presents himself, he has exposed many veins of ugly truth along his path. One such interview, which seems to hit the target, was broadcast in 2009. Keith, please play sound excerpt B. Alex Jones says he knows how they plan to depopulate. Alex, you sounded urgent. There's an entire agenda afoot to force the population to undergo different type of medical treatments, namely vaccines. We're seeing a medical tyranny being set up, not just in the United States, but worldwide under the UN and the World Health Organization. Who's behind all this? The Bilderberg Group. They want a planetary dictatorship so they can carry out their forced depopulation agenda, and they want to do it through the medical system. And that's why vaccines are so important. We know that many of these vaccines turn out to have serious adverse reactions. And this is being done by design. They kill you slowly over time. That's why they're called soft kill. And I've got an insider I think you should really talk to, Dr. Rima Labo. But she doesn't live inside the United States because she's so concerned about all the police state developments that are taking place. But if you can get her to come up here and talk to you. She's a medical doctor. She's treated heads of states, and she really understands what's happening on the inside. In 2003, I had a patient in my drug-free medical practice who was a head of state. And one day she said, you know, it's almost time for the great culling to begin. That's what I said. The what? She said the great culling, C-U-L-L-I-N-G, when you thin the herd. I said, what are you talking about? She said, it's almost time for the useless eaters to be culled. And she said, those are the people who are consuming our non-renewable natural resources. I said, who are the people who make this decision? She said, we. The aristocrats. How powerful are the Bilderbergs or the people above them in the world? Not as powerful as we, the people in the aggregate, are. When we raise our voices, every single time they step back. The problem is, the dirty little secret is that we have that power. They don't want us to know that we have that power. That was an excerpt from an interview which featured Dr. Rima Labo, who gave her warning in 2009 about another pandemic. She went on to co-create a docu-movie called Global Eugenics, Using Medicine to Kill. I'm sure most would agree these words would have sounded crazy back in 2009. However, in light of very recent history, these words seem to ring far more true today. Is there another fingerprint highlighting a rehearsal for today's pandemic? Is this yet another example of how the minority strategy has been in play and in plain sight for as long as, well, how long do you dare consider? Did this gain your attention? Great. So what next? It's time to put it all to good use, to learn some smart moves, so you may better navigate through the currents that lurk beneath the seemingly calm surface. I very much look forward to hearing our guests' perspective regarding this essential awakening process, all with a view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofmidnight.com. Click on the other side of the news in the drop-down menu, or kindly scroll down to tonight's white The Other Side of the News show banner. 
There you will see details for this show, quick links to our bios, as well as links to our show items, references, and selected research. As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them and even download your own copies sooner than later, as the censorship robots are work around the clock to rewrite our history in real time. During the Earth's last seven orbits, we have once more been inundated by a deluge of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news. To discuss, validate, and present each topic in correct context could all too easily fill up an entire show by itself. As the other side of the news is not per se a typical news show, and in order to make the best use of our available airtime, I believe we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team and introduce our special guest, Peggy Hall. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Aneta. Ladies, you live nearby a famous bridge. Are the waters <laughs> in the Bay Area troubled? <laughs> they are, but they're getting better thanks to Peggy Hall. This is Kintia, and I am so delighted to welcome our guest tonight, Peggy Hall. We are going to change our format a little bit because she has an important appointment and so cannot stay the full two hours. So we're going to start right off with introducing her. Peggy Hall, her website is thehealthyamerican.org. She is the founder of thehealthyamerican.org and is a national leader in the freedom movement and is dedicated to breathing life back into liberty. Peggy is the former director of teacher education at the University of California, Irvine, and has been an educator for more than 30 years. She has a bachelor's degree in political science, a master's degree in international relations, and has years of experience as a health educator and community activist. Through her inspiring educational videos, hours of legal research, and online and in-person programs to keep businesses open, to help parents get their kids out of government schools, and to help Americans protect their medical rights, Peggy empowers patriots across the country to take action and to make positive waves of change as we fight back this growing tidal wave of tyranny. So, Peggy, welcome, welcome to the other side of the news. Thank you, friends. It's a pleasure to be here with you this evening. Oh, I'm delighted. I was just listening to your video about Trader Joe's, and I am really struck at the actions that you have taken to help open up businesses and to inform the public. Would you like to share a little bit about what you offer on your website so people can know the tools that are available to them? Absolutely. The situation that we find ourselves in is uh, a new one for most people, and uh, it's um, rather astonishing to me that most, not not most, but many people are not aware of their rights. They actually still believe to this day that a governor has the authority to tell them what to do, that a governor can tell a business to close, that a governor can tell uh, people that they have to stay home or that a store can put circles on the floor and tell people to stand on the circles, or which is completely illegal to restrict any person's movement as long as it's being done, you know, as long as they're moving lawfully, and uh, to tell someone that they have to restrict their breathing. 
There's no authority for it. Even if it's a good idea, one could argue that perhaps some of these things maybe people want to do or think it works, but that's not the point. Even if it worked, even if standing on a six on a circle six feet apart from someone else uh, was some sort of uh, critical maneuver that prevented illness from ever happening again for the rest of our lives, there's still no law that can compel anyone to restrict your movement. There's no law that can require you to cover your only two breathing passages. When I was a child, there were uh, warnings all the time of not don't put anything over your nose and mouth because it may cause suffocation. And to be told that covering your nose and mouth helps other people stay healthy. The diabolical nature of evil is just astounding. So I was one of the earliest voices to call out the unlawful nature of these emergency orders. There are legal reasons for an emergency to be called. If there was an earthquake or a flood or a chemical explosion or um, civil unrest or anything along those lines, there is a limited ability for the government for a limited period of time to call for an emergency. That emergency under California law can only occur for 60 days. After 60 days, the legislature, the lawmaking arm of our form of government, would be able to either extend the emergency or terminate the emergency. But with one sweep of the pen, the governor not only declared an emergency, but he declared all of those laws suspended. So the very law that limited his authority to 60 days, he decided wasn't good enough and that he was going to suspend that law. So lawsuits were filed in opposition, stating that he has no authority to create his own laws, which is true. And courts upheld those claims that the governor has no authority to create statute, statutes, which are legislative uh, laws. And uh, furthermore, there was no, and there still is no, there are no grounds for a health emergency. There, People are not dropping dead left and right, even if they were. No emergency suspends your rights without due process of law. So not only were the uh, people told to stay home and not go to work, courts were put on hold. People were languishing in jail without having their opportunity to be go in front of a judge and be charged. So at every turn, we saw tyranny being unleashed at an alarming rate. So I came on the scene when I made a video called The State of Emergency in California is Unlawful, Null, and um, Invalid. And that video probably got, a, I think it was 1.8 million views and it, playing on many, many different social media platforms, continually taken down. I actually re-uploaded it and it was just taken down again. Uh, a week or two ago, giving me another strike on my YouTube channel because I've shared the facts. I read from the law called the California Emergency Services Act, and then I showed the data from the CDC and the California Department of Health. These were not opinions. They were not um, observations. They were facts that were deemed uh, misinformation. So 
to me, the greatest casualty of all of this has been the squelching of free speech. And that is their end game, I believe, that there will be no more voices to be heard. There, there will be more and more underground, um, as many people have done, created their own way. Uh, but getting back to Trader Joe's, people started reaching out to me knowing that I uh, was exposing the law and the illegality and that there were no grounds for any emergency, asking for help. How can I put groceries on the table? How can I go to my job without um, self-suffocating? And so I showed them the laws, including California Civil Code 51. It's very simple. It's the, it's our Civil Rights Act. It's called um, the Unruh Act, U-N-R-U-H. And there's a companion act called the Tom Baines Act, also known as the Hate Crimes Act, which prevents anyone from discriminating against you based on any protected characteristics, such as your gender, your age, your background, your ethnicity, your marital status, your gender, your gender expression, your, it goes on and on and on. The fact being, no store and no employer and no individual has the right to discriminate against anyone based on their appearance of not wearing a mask, just like they can't discriminate on someone who covers their face with a veil or someone who wears a turban as their expression of their religious liberty. No one can discriminate against me for my expression of religious liberty, which is a bare face made in the image of God as God's image bearer. Mm -hmm. So I have been on this fight for over a year, and I'm actually um, about to engage in a lawsuit with my very own city that persists in blatant pers and, and um, patterns and practice of religious persecution that would never stand if I was a member of the Sikh faith, if I was a Buddhist wearing saffron robes, if I was a, um, you know, Mother Margaret wearing a nun's habit or a Muslim veil in my face, they would never get away with it. But they're getting away with the persecution of Christians. And I won't stand for it. Mm -hmm. So what actions did you take in regards to Trader Joe's? I mean, like, have you taken these different laws to them and showed them? Or can you explain a little bit more? Like I saw in your video that you said, well, masks are no longer required in Trader Joe's. And I'm actually looking forward to going to the one near my home to see, is that true of all Trader Joe's or just down where you live? It's a corporate policy from Trader Joe's. And I believe it's because we, the people have put, nonstop pressure on them. I've uh, had the pleasure of helping hundreds, I mean, thousands, tens of thousands of people who have come to the website to download my civil rights protection card. It's there for free under the website, under the tab that says documents, scroll down to number five, and it describes your protection of your rights. And so many people printed these out, went to Trader Joe's, they actually got arrested, they got handcuffed, they got taken to jail because they were simply standing up for their rights. If one of these individuals had been wearing a turban or had dark skin or a thick accent or was in a wheelchair, I doubt they would have been discriminated against. This is part of the egregious nature of evil. So it took many, many, many people standing up, writing letters, calling, filing lawsuits, standing up in person, going to the line, 
being arrested and coming back and showing Trader Joe's that they are in the wrong, or better yet, asking Trader Joe's, you show me the authority that you have to violate my rights. Where does it say in an emergency order that you don't have to follow the law? I guess I can run every red light now and I'll just tell the <laughs> cop, oh, well, there's an emergency. I, you can't give me a ticket because it's an emergency. The laws don't apply. I guess I can just go shoplifting because it's an emergency. You, you hear how ludicrous this is. So it was the pressure, the unrelenting pressure of we the people, thousands of people across the country standing up for their rights, many of them using the materials I created, many of them just knowing that it was wrong and mm -hmm. saying, you have no right to prevent me. This is like telling someone in a wheelchair that they have to get up and walk through the doors in order to be served. It's ludicrous. The law is the exact opposite. If anyone has a condition such as not wearing a mask, uh, even if someone had some disease, they cannot be excluded from a place of public accommodation, which for those who don't know is a private business, a private business that is engaged in commerce. Any private business like a dentist, um, a karate studio, a chocolate shop, a cafe, a bank, a restaurant, a train station, anyone who's going to take your money is catering to the public and the legal definition is a public accommodation. The question comes up, well, don't businesses have the right to refuse service? Not based on protected characteristics. They can mm -hmm. refuse you service if you don't have money. They can refuse you service if the store closes at 10 and you showed up at 11. They can refuse you service if you come in and start knocking the cans off the shelf and yelling expletives at the rest of the shoppers. Absolutely. Can they refuse you service because you're not wearing a mask? Well, can they refuse a Muslim service because she veils her face? Can they refuse someone in a wheelchair because they can't walk and they're taking up too much space in the aisle and they might run over someone's toes with their wheelchair? That's far more hazardous in my view. And I had a loved one in a wheelchair for 12 years. So I speak from experience. It's very cumbersome to navigate a wheelchair in a store. They say that they make amends, you know, make allowances for the handicap, but it's actually very cumbersome. It's probably more likely that someone would be harmed by being run over by a wheelchair than they would by someone with a bare face. So no, a store has no legal right to restrict anyone's entry based on their appearance. Further, there's no such law as no shoes, no shirt, no service. That's an old wives tale. Just like you can't fight City Hall is an old wives tale. We're fighting City Hall and we're winning. So if people are interested, they can go to thehealthyamerican.org. The best place is to click on documents. I have a couple of videos that are called No Business is Above the Law and No Shoes, No Shirt, No Service. It's, a, <laughs> there's like, it's like 45 minutes. So class is in session. Grab your notebook and pen. Get yourself educated on your rights. And the, the law states you don't even have to educate others. You you they're the ones that have to bring the proof. They're the ones saying you can't come in. So the burden of proof is on them to say why. And they can't say because there's a health order. No law, no order is valid in California if it violates your constitutional rights. That is a law called California Government Code 37100. And it states that no law, no order, no nothing from any legislative body in California, no city, no municipality can create any rule, ordinance, law, anything that violates the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution 
of California. And both of those constitutions start out with, we are free people with the right to life. Life requires oxygen. I rest my case. Well, I'm really grateful. And so going to the site, they can download those documents and go to the store and show them those documents. Because I, I know uh, I've I encountered that they, they're uneducated. They don't, you know, the guard is standing there. Yes. I, I also have a video on five ways to shop without a mask, which mm -hmm. includes call in advance. Oh, actually, number one is just shop where they don't require a mask. That's the easiest of all. <laughs> I would not fight with a merchant to give them money if they're going to discriminate against me. There are plenty of other places. I don't know anyone who has starved this year. And um, luckily, I haven't either. And I've never covered my face, and I never intend to do so. Peggy, this is Annetta. I'm going to step in here because I have a, a question in relationship to this. So actually, we're up in the Bay Area, and the places around here actually all have people standing at the door. And literally, will if you're lucky, they throw you out on your arse. If you're not, they come and call the police. I am not starving because my dear friend Cynthia is doing the grocery shopping. But uh, other than Amazon, I have never seen a place in the last 15 months in the Bay Area that has allowed us to freely walk in the three counties that, that I deal with, which are... I have heard three of the worst, but uh, anyway, I had a friend that came in down from Seattle last weekend. She couldn't believe how much worse it was down here. So what do you do? I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I also know my experience. Uh, what, what do you do with that? Well, you did one of my tips, which is have someone else shop for you. So that's one of the tips. The other tip is mm -hmm. to have the food delivered. Another tip is to go directly to the farmers. And um, this one I want to, it's like a pre-tip. It's like a... Um, coming attractions, uh, you need to start preparing now. So I didn't need to go to a grocery store really for an entire year because I'm prepared. I, I've prepared myself for situations like this. I know not everybody has, and you need to do it according to your financial, you know, ability, but starting now, you know, you go to the store instead of getting one packet of, you know, gluten-free spaghetti, you get two and you get two jars of tomato sauce instead of one. And, uh, you know, two tubes of toothpaste. So over time, you're prepared so that you're not caught off guard. I highly recommend people start doing that now. We, uh, I know somebody who drives three hours um, out of the Bay Area to, um, like, Sutter County, Yuba City, around in that area, where it's open. So some people are willing to do a weekly or monthly trip to an area. And these are just suggestions. I'm not saying anybody, everybody should choose what works for them. Um the, the real question is, why is that happening? Why? What is going on in your area that is allowing for communism to flourish? That's the question. The question isn't, how can I get into a store without a mask? It's what has been going on over the years? What has been going on with the community, with the population? How can it be that the law enforcement is violating the law? Are people going to the community meetings? I mean, is it beyond hope? Or is the corruption so deep? So my other remedy is you create your own freedom living societies where you are growing your own food. You, you find those that you can barter with. You can get, um, you know, for example, they're not, I'm not making any assumption as to anyone being a meat eater, but there are places, for example, you can buy meat online. You become part 
of uh, the club and, um, you know, the sourcing and everything of the food uh, can be done differently. I know people that are starting up their own grocery stores. So there's, you know, communities getting together and purchasing at wholesale and having the stuff in somebody's garage. I, I had an interview. Well, one of my colleagues had an interview with um, a couple that started their own farmer's market because the farmer's market that they went to was requiring masks, even though it was outdoors. So they contacted farmers and they started their own farmer's market. Um, so there's always another way. I'm here to help you find it. It requires thinking outside the box and determining for yourself where those sacrifices are um, that can be made. But, but to me, the issue in the Bay Area is much deeper than going grocery shopping. Oh, it is. I mean, I actually have no intention of staying here because of it. But, you know, the, the truth is, is that I've, I've endured 15 months here and uh, it is it is very draconian here. And uh, I have, you know, like I said, I have yet to uh, openly, freely be able to walk into any business without people literally coming at me, getting in my face, threatening physical harm, threatening all kinds of stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know what to do because I have been a person who refuses to put a mask on. And so what I have is a life that I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything basically, you know, and I don't have the money to do, you know, a year's worth of groceries nor drive three hours each way at the, <laughs> the gas here is $5 a gallon. I don't know where it is, where everyone else is. It's $5 a gallon here right now. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not driving three hours to get my groceries. Um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to like, say that none of these work i'm just trying to figure out what do you do when it's so bad when the corruption is so ingrained in a place like this and they're so the sheeple are so brainwashed we live on a street that people walk up and down the street and uh, we never see anyone without a mask and people are driving around their cars their windows up mask and a shield i mean what 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 do you do so when uh, well number one um there are three remedies that I have for, for most situations. And number one is, is connection and finding other people. And I know there are other people in your area and I know that they have shopped without a mask. These are healthy Americans from the Bay area. Okay. Um, they are connected. They're organized. I think they're maybe 12 to 15 people and you can create your own groups. You can plug in with others. Um, there is a website. It's not my website, but it's called the freedom people put in the, the, thefreedompeople.org, not.com, thefreedompeople.org. And it's a type of, um, tool for people that want to be connected and you can put in your geographic area. And the idea is not that you're creating another social media website, but that you're connecting with people to then say, Hey, this is where I live. Where do you go shopping? Um, you know, here's a dentist that I have that doesn't require a mask. And you start to get your own Intel in your area. Is it easy? Not at all. It, does it require sacrifice? Absolutely. This is in the name of freedom. We haven't even sacrificed. I have not seen bloodshed. There, the, people have not even sacrificed. Three hours is nothing. But it's all. But it all depends for people. There, these remedies all work, but each individual needs to determine what they can do. You're you're doing one now by having somebody shop for you. Um, my sister is a widow, lives by herself in a very closed area, shut down, not as bad as where you are, but she has a girlfriend that doesn't mind wearing the mask. And so the girlfriend goes in and goes shopping. Um, but I would try out Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's now is supposed to be, um, you know, have lifted that. 
I do think it comes down to the individual managers, and there's probably going to be a lot of retaliation um, on on shoppers because many of them did, you know, the mask-free shopping and the drop, you know, the cash drop and, and so forth. Um, I know people that have simply walked out with groceries and said, if you're not taking my money, I'm, I'm walking out. Um, it, there's all sorts of, of tools and different things are, are suited for different people. Um, so many people are focused on convenience and inconvenience. And I'm just one of those that takes a really, really strong, hard line on good and evil. And I just won't cross that line. I've been speaking out about this for over a year and those that complied with the masks, now, now we're facing the vaccines. I have people writing to me saying, I need an exemption at my work for the vaccine, but I've been wearing a mask and getting tested all year, so I can't tell them it's against my religion. I'm like, well, that's on you. You didn't stand up. So people have to determine what's right for them. And there will be those that will go along because they want to fly and they want to travel and they don't want to be excluded and they will have the consequences of their action. And that's fine. That's their choice. I'm in favor of free choice, um, but I'm in favor of freedom. And I, I no longer would participate in strangling puppies if they said, you have to kick a kitten in order to come into Trader Joe's. People in the Bay Area would do that? I mean, it's um, astonishing to me. Yeah, the, the length that people will go to willingly and eagerly enslave themselves, the very people that we are told are the most tolerant and, and want to vote to give reparations to black people who weren't alive during the time of slavery from people who weren't, didn't enslave them, yet they are enslaving them own, their own selves, themselves. They are willingly enslaving themselves and at the tame, same time speaking out against slavery. Right, right. It's it's actually that's mentally unwell. There's a there's some mental incapacity there. No, I think the cognitive dissonance has gotten to the point that people can't even do the simplest of tasks. But that's another whole story, and maybe it's lacks of oxygen. Oh, or, they certainly know, cannot. They cannot yeah. do the simplest I mean, of tasks. <laughs> I put. I, I I don't know if it was last week or this week, or maybe I got. I should check. So if I didn't, I will put it up for our listeners. But there was a video I saw of accidents. Uh, very, you know, an apropos term because I were driving around and people just they are completely gone. Um, that's another whole story. I mean, you know, I talk about the vaccine stuff all the time with my mom and how she's not there anymore. Um, but anyway, let me get back to your stuff because I'm really interested in it. So I get this question all the time. I talk about this. I say it's a mandate. The governor doesn't have any uh, authority to to say these things and do these things. We have video um, of both Newsom and, and uh, Governor Cuomo, both of them on press conferences saying that they actually don't have the authority. And yet we have all these people saying that they do and they don't seem to understand the difference between a statute and a mandate. So could you clear that up for our listeners and kind of give them the heads up on that? Yeah, there's only one branch of the government that has the authority to make a law. So you kind of think back into civics class. Um, there are three branches of government so there's an executive branch, which is the governor, the mayor, the president. Um, that, that would be the executive branch of government. Then there is the 
legislative branch of government, and that is the Congress, your state legislature. We have an assembly and a Senate, and they're the ones that introduce a bill. A bill is an idea for a new law, and then there's debate, and there's public discourse, and you can put in your opinion. It goes to a committee. It's worked on. It's improved. It's uh, modified. If it's passed in the assembly, it goes to the Senate. The Senate then looks at it, goes to committee, discusses it, rewrites it, whatever they want to do. When both houses agree, it goes to the governor in a state or it goes to the president of the United States for the federal government. Let me remind everybody that each state has its own government and each state is responsible for creating its own laws. The federal laws only relate to actions of the federal government, which include um, you know, interstate roads, uh, things such as national defense, um, you know, things that are only related to the federal government. The president has no impact on your personal life whatsoever. A president cannot tell you to do anything. No person can tell you to do anything. No governor, no mayor, no health officer, no sheriff, no, 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 no one. The only thing that can control our behavior are laws or a court order. So statutory laws are passed by the only branch of government that has the legal authority to make a law, and that's the legislative branch. It's so important that our Constitution describe that branch of government first, because it was the only country in the world that was established on this principle that no one person could proclaim something and it would be a law. Every other country in the world, every single other country in the world, prior to the creation of the United States, had a king that would just proclaim a law. So our country was created differently with a separate lawmaking body. And then there's a judicial branch of government that deals with enforcing these laws or reviewing the laws and throwing them out if they're not lawful, if they violate our God-given principles. So for a governor to say something, it doesn't, there's nothing to say. That would be like me saying, I proclaim there are 25 hours in the day. It, it, it has no value. There's no validity. It, there, there's no meaning. There's no authority. Exerting power without authority is called tyranny. We are living in tyranny. That's the, that's the short of it. By calling these edicts, these proclamations, these policies, these rules, these directives, these suggestions, these guidelines, by calling them mandates, they have manipulated the minds of millions of Americans to think that it must be mandatory. There's no law. There's no code of law. If you get pulled over by a policeman for speeding, you get a ticket, and on that ticket is a number, and it says you violated this law, and the law that was passed by your legislative body attached a number to it, and there's a penal code associated with it. Here's how much it costs when you violate that law. Here's how much time you spend in jail, or here's what the fine is. It's all planned out in advance. These Health orders are, if they exist at all, if there's any validity at all, they are only for the government, not for private individuals. 
the governor has the authority to allocate resources in the state. So if you work for the DMV and he decides he wants to close the DMV, well, then I guess you're out of a job. But he cannot tell Joe Schmo working at, you know, the five and dime or whatever that he can't go to work. None of this is legal. The only thing that has validity is a statutory law that was passed by a legislative body. Now, your city council can pass ordinances, and this is what these diabolical demons did. They passed something called an urgency ordinance, which is only intended by the laws of California if there is a bona fide emergency such as a dam breaks and they have to quickly say no one can drive on this street this street is closed until further notice there's not enough time to have the back and forth the public comment any city ordinance is required to have a two-week window of an announcement letting people know that this is a proposed ordinance which is a type of city law then there must be open public comment at an open city meeting. These cities are violating the law by conducting their business in, in private. Zoom and on the phone is not the same as in public. You have the right to be there in public. You have to go and fight for this. So they're passing these urgency ordinances without any public commentary. And the urgency ordinances in and of themselves are illegal because they violate California Government Code 37100, which states no city may create any law that violates the California Constitution. How in the world can Santa Clara County, and, and now we have county governments, the same idea. How can a county pass a resolution or enforce an order that violates the Constitution for people to give up their personal health status. It's absolutely illegal. There are so many government officials that are convicted felons and that have served time in prison, and I can't wait to see these prisons filled up with all of these lawbreakers. Yes, I can't wait either. I mean, especially because they're making all that open space because if you get the jab, they're, they're what, releasing 72,000 violent criminals on the California public? Yes, they are. Uh, for for what? So you get the jab, that's the payoff. Um, interesting. I think they'll all be dead. But okay, so um, I did want to talk a little bit about this whole idea with, um, so we talked about the, the statutes versus mandates. The only thing is, is, so when they're talking about mandate, it's really they're saying it's an ordinance. That's what we're really talking about then. They're using the wrong terminology. Is is that well, correct? Well, no. There's no, uh, a statutory law is a law. If it was a law, they would call it a law. Okay. Mandate doesn't have any legal meaning. Okay. It's like calling it, well, as they've been calling it, guidance, that that's, there's no legally, we right. don't have a court of mandate. We have a court of law. You don't have mandate enforcement officers. You have law enforcement officers. You retain a lawyer, not an, a mandate-er. And if you violate the law, you're a lawbreaker. You're not a mandate breaker. This is a uh, mass hypnosis for people to think that uh, they're going to be conditioned to do whatever one person in authority tells them to do. It's very harmful. And, and it's very astonishing that people actually like to be told what to do. I, I, I haven't figured that one out. 
that's incredible to me. I'm, I'm definitely not one of those. I, <laughs> me you know, too. It's like, oh my gosh. Well, um, <laughs> so, so let me, let me talk about something that's like really painful here. Um, and that is the idea of people feeling like they are being forced into vaccination that are opposed to it in order to keep their jobs. And, you know, this is the, and I, I'll just say, I was going to go into this with the, the, uh, intro thing, but, um, the, you know, the idea that we have this 24 seven, uh, you know, promotion of a virus that has never been isolated, has never been found. Uh, we have, you know, it's uh, follow the science. Anytime you hear that guaranteed, they're not following the science. I, I do that. And this isn't scientific at all. And none of this stuff. So what are we looking at here as far as people protecting themselves? Or did they just, you know, lose their job? I mean, for me, I'm like you, I would never sacrifice my well-being, my health, and my sovereignty for a job, ever. But that's me, and I'm unusual, apparently. Uh, what about all these other people that feel pressured into this? Well, again, it's a grand delusion because um, there is no authority for any company to require anybody to undergo any medical intervention. Can they require you to show that you only that you've donated a kidney for your social responsibility? That there are people waiting, they're dying on the table because they they are in need of a kidney transplant. And you, how selfish you have two kidneys. We're not you're not going to be able to work here until you show that you gave up one of your kidneys. Further, there's far too many people on the planet. If you have not been sterilized, you are not going to get the job or you can have a job, but you have to wear a big sign that says, I'm a selfish breeder. Well, you know, we, ha we already have HIPAA laws. And actually, I had an, I had an encounter with my uh, chiropractor last week. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to wear a mask in. And he told me I had to. And we went back and forth. And, and he and I said, well, I have a medical exemption. And he said, well, I'd like to know what that is. And I said, well, you know, I'm really surprised at you because you know and I know that that's a violation of my HIPAA rights. That's my privacy. I don't have to share you my medical information with you or anyone else. And he said, well, I'm your medical person. I mean, I'm your doctor. And I said, yes, but this is not related to how you treat me. I'm a chiropractor, right? And uh, so we went back and forth. And I am just... I, what I really would like to cover here for our listeners is the kinds of things that they can say, because we're, we're all experiencing these kind of things where, you know, people say, oh, I have to get this vaccine in order to attend college, you know, and they're, they're, they're you know, jabbing these poor, it's not even a vaccine. I mean, let's get real. It's not a vaccine by any definition, by their definition, by anyone else's definition. And then they're saying you have to do this in order to go to college. and they, they, the fact that they may have antibodies already in existence is inconsequential. And in fact, those people are having the very, very bad reactions and dying. They're more likely to have that uh, problem after getting vaccinated if they already have the antibodies. So, you know, how do, how do you do, what do you tell people? What kind of place can they go to? How can they get help on that? Well, I've got, um, a very rich uh, website. It's pretty much an encyclopedia. And if you go to the healthyamerican.org and click on vaccines, I've got a video that explains that schools cannot mandate this. Uh, there's no legal requirement. And I show in writing the words, every 
every adult has the ability to request an exemption. And for employers, the EEOC, and I show very clearly on the website in writing where it says that the employers are required to accommodate those that um, have an exemption. So the, the main thing is for people to be educated and they have a right to take whatever medical intervention they want, um, just as I have a right not to, giving the example of the kidney. And I, I really want to use those examples so that it puts in people's minds a very stark and startling example because they will now require the booster shots and all of the shots. And why not require every other vaccine? Um, it, it will, it has nothing to do with health. It has to do with your choice over your body. So the, the area for, um, on the website is under vaccines. I have many, many links to additional websites if you're interested in the science and all of that. I don't talk about the science. I actually don't care what's in the vaccine. I don't, none of that bothers me because I'm not going to be vaccinated. Um, and it weakens the argument in my view because if they come back and say, well, no, there's no longer aborted baby parts in the, in the vaccine. Now you can get it because you said you didn't want to get it because of the ingredients. It, you can't hang your hat on that. The argument is it's my body and I'm going to do with it what I want. And in California, California law states that you have authority over your own body. It's in the law. Further, it states that no one can be coerced into any medical experiment um, against their will. This is also on the website under vaccines. I've got a couple of flyers that are very easy, you know, um, infographics that are very easy to download and share with others that contain these laws that protect your rights. And these rights exist in every state. So it's up to people now to take responsibility for their life, for their health, to invest time researching, understanding, learning, and being very responsible for the choices that they make. Right. Okay. So basically what you're saying is people smarten up, get yourself educated and, you know, stand up for yourself, which is what we've been saying for 59 weeks in a row. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we say it in a little different ways, you know, all over the place, but, uh, uh, anyway. Yeah. So we're, we're sitting here with, um, let me let me talk about a little bit to something near and dear to all of our hearts. And um, I believe that the, the end game, this is one of the end games. I think there's several. Uh, but uh, the censorship issue and free speech and our First Amendment rights, I'm sure you have a lot to say about that. You're very outspoken. Well, I believe this is the end game. And they could have used any, I call it a sensation, um, to divide people and then determine that a certain view was allowed and another certain view wasn't allowed and that this other certain view is actually harmful. Um, I've had people say that I kill people with my words. I mean, it's, it's astonishing that uh, that now can be seen as a weapon. And that's been many, many years in the works. Uh, when I was a child, we had the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but uh, words will never hurt me in the public schools where I've been for many years, um, 
in higher ed, but I can see how they are training teachers to inculcate this idea with students that, that their words are harmful. So then they can take control of words rather than teaching kids. It doesn't matter what others say. What matters is your own integrity and respect and what you say to yourself. Those are the messages, messages they should be getting. But now that we've had a, a generation at least of people who are wounded by words, um, it's, it's an, a very easy leap to say, well, those words hurt me, so you can't say them. And when you no longer can have your opinion, and the mask, of course, is a very visible symbol of covering one's mouth, how people have not seen that, I, I'm actually astonished to this very day, and I, I always want to be astonished. I, I always want to be outraged and flabbergasted. I don't want... I don't want to understand how people can't see the symbolism. I just, I just, uh, I will keep my astonishment because that's what, um, that's my barometer for knowing what's, what's right and wrong. Yes. Well, it is, you know, we, we had, uh, I don't know, I think it was last March in 2020. We had that, our, one of our early shows about the masking and the symbolism and all the things that it stood for. And yeah, and here we are today, long, long, long time from now, a uh, long time from that point. And we're still dealing with the same thing. So we only have a few minutes till the top of the hour. And what do you feel, what do you feel is uh, your, your sense of what's coming up? What's, what's going to be happening with this? Do you have anything that you, you feel strongly about there? We're uh, recording this here at the end of May, and my sense is in most places there will be an easing up of uh, these unlawful edicts through the summer. Um, even, you know, regular flu seasons and things don't exist during the summer, so all of that's a bunch of hogwash. So I, I believe that the, uh, the evildoers, the power that powers that be will lift the lid off the pot, let some of the steam escape through the summer, probably clamping back down again in October, or maybe even playing a little cat and mouse game as abusers like to do, where they'll um, say, oh no, I'm so sorry, I'll never do that again. And then you feel comfortable and safe. And then before you know it, you know, you turn around and, and there's the, uh, out of the blue, your the abuse starts up again. So that's what uh, the soon-to-be ex-governor of California has been doing. Yay! Uh, jerking people around with all these tears, which are, have zero legal authority whatsoever. So then in October, I believe there uh, might be another mild attempt at uh, floating a trial balloon to see how, how far people will um, go with it. And uh, I believe in a couple of years, and warming up to it, to it, but in a couple of years, there will probably be another major um, calamity. Uh, orchestrated calamity. And in the meantime, I would recommend that people start putting on their predictive programming uh, discernment skills and see what they keep seeing in the news. Some people have told me uh, they believe it's going to be uh, related to climate. Others have told me they believe it's it's going to be related to uh, UFOs and you know aliens because that's been very heavily featured in the news. So there will be another invisible enemy, boogeyman, monster hiding in the closet, uh, to come out and keep this perpetual state of fear, which, by the way, I will end by recommending everyone read the book by Michael Crichton that's spelled C-R-I-C-H-T-O-N. He's the author of 
uh, Jurassic Park. He is now deceased after he published the book called State of Fear. He, uh, he died suddenly, and that book should be read by everyone. All right. Well, I will definitely, we'll put that, um, I'll have Cynthia put that in your items as far as a must read. And we want to thank you for coming on to our show. It's been so enjoyable. And I really, I'm a big fan of yours. I've been, uh, you know, I've been recommending your, your uh, website. We have been on the show for the whole time that we've had the show on, which is now 59 weeks. So Anyway, thank you so much, Peggy, for joining us. And we will return after the break with our co-host, Timothy Saunders, and Cynthia and myself. This is The Other Side of the News. side of midnight.com talk radio with pictures on demand liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought join club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. Just remember the virus that they say that is making everybody sick. Nowhere in the world, not one country, not one institution, not the CDC, nobody has this virus that's making us sick on file. It does not exist. All the Freedom of Information Acts are empty over and over again. The virus nowhere exists. So if that is correct, and that's what they're telling us, how in the world can they be testing for it? How in the world can they be making this kind of injection to put in us to save us from this? So we need to start asking the obvious questions because by science and medicine, that makes no sense. I've never heard of that before. Are we able to purchase all those? and this was supposed to be a novel infection. You start looking at the big picture, you start looking at everything, you'll find this is actually a planned pandemic. This is not actually what they're telling us in the media. So then you have to ask the bigger question, why? So we have to look 
closely into this. And what's very concerning is that none of the manufacturers or our governments will allow any of us to analyze the vials. It's illegal for us to analyze them. They won't let us look in there. Well, why? If there's nothing to hide, why can't we see what's inside these vials? Because right now we have no proof that this virus even exists. What made people sick around the world, in my opinion, is many different things. And they used a testing mechanism was, that was faulty and that could cross-react with anything. It could literally cross-react with bacteria, with other flus, with other colds, false positives. So that's meaningless. So there's no proof of this supposed, you know, bad, weird virus affecting everybody. This is Dr. Carrie Made on the other side of the news, and I'm excited to be here because we have freedom of speech and no censorship. Welcome back. My name is Timothy Saunders. I'm co-hosting with Annette Driscoll and Kintia. Wow, that was a, a whirlwind. That hour passed very quickly. I was intently listening to Peggy. She sounds very genned up, and I was looking through her website while uh, while she was talking to you, to you ladies. And uh, it is packed with a lot of information. So. I'd highly recommend everybody take a good look through there, and I myself will, will look forward to studying that uh, introduction video she mentioned as well. Even though it's a different type of law where I am, uh, the principles should be very similar. So I think it can apply to a lot of people around the world. So what did you make of it, Aneta? Oh, okay, there or, I go. I was muted. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was muted. I'm like looking for the mute button. Whoa. <laughs> what did I make of it? Well, you know, I really, the, I love, I love uh, getting into the legal and law stuff as, as you know, and um, I like the practical parts here. I think she's correct. We can, we can do things. We can all do things. Uh, we can share information, which she certainly is. And we are too. And it's good. And it's also good to stand on your square. It's good not to put that mask on. It's good to show others. But I think we do. I think she's right. We do need to become more active on local levels. We do need to uh, connect with other people and stop being isolated because that was part of the plan. They wanted to isolate us. They wanted to disconnect us. And as long as we stay in that position, we are fulfilling their dream, not ours. So that's really important and also to get involved on a local level for things for everything from city councils to school boards you know sure. to start doing that kind of work i i think the important thing is i mean i i as i've mentioned in my opening i don't think it's enough just for people to come together i, I don't mean it, it's a negative thing obviously it's a positive thing because when people unite they feel connected and they feel they have more confidence and you know they gather information and accumulate momentum and so on 
But I think to go home and say, okay, well, you know, I took part in a gathering, that, that is not enough. I think it needs to go on through and needs to be lived through, the mentality needs to be lived through on a daily basis. So if people connect, like Peggy was suggesting, as we also suggest, then to, you know, I've heard of some people make a group shopping trip, for example, maybe if, you know, 30 people arrange to go shopping at the same time and those 30 people don't wear a mask, uh, maybe they will you know, overwhelm the shop. I'm, I'm not talking obviously about Trader Joe's at this point, but, you know, a shop that where masks are asked for. Um, and I think that that could be interesting if people started to group together and do that en masse, that would be an idea, a step forward at least. Because, I do too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, otherwise you're sort of into this sort of, you know, forget the COVID scandemic subject. You're into jobs worth, you know, I'm not going to let you in because it's more than my jobs worth. You know, maybe a security guard is going to say that or, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let you in with a, without a mask or I'm going to fine you. So the fear then translates from, you know, the scandemic to... To I don't want to pay three hundred dollars. I I don't know what the fee is, by the way. But I mean, you know what the, the fine is. But I have heard, as as we have in many different cases, that these lawsuits are not they're, they're not they're not being followed through in court. You know they are falling down. And, and I also hear that there's an absolute mountain of these lawsuits mounting up where people are you know non-compliance. Uh, not wearing masks, doing whatever they're doing, that they do get a ticket. I mean, there are literally like sort of years waiting lists now before people will even have their courtroom time. A lot can change in well, years. You know, in Florida, uh, Governor DeSantis just said uh, he, I don't know, it was about two weeks ago, he just said, yeah, if you have any uh, tickets or fines or any of this kind of stuff, no matter what it was, if it was related to this uh, mask stuff or anything COVID, it's... It was it was just taken away. It was completely removed, and uh, that's the way it should be. And I think we should have that all over if we could get rid of the, you know, the guy we have here. I'm not we're not going to give him the honor of, of the title. Other people do, but you know, uh, gruesome, newsome. We would have the same kind of thing here. We I'm sure we could get somebody in who would see this. But again, you know, there's no set. Uh, there's no set uh, fines because there's no there's no real law, and that's why it can't really hold up in court. It's all connected. Yeah, it, it's just, I think it's just a question of trying to break break the ice, isn't it? And, mm. and, and it, it is a cyclic sort of mentality. To, I mean, we need to unite. People do need to unite. They they become more aware. They become more educated. They visit you know, websites which are full of information like Peggy's or you know, there are many other people we promote as well. And then live that mentality. That's the important point I'm trying to underline. What yeah, do you I think, Kintia? I really did like how she was stressing the education and gathering together and not making it about, well, the vaccine ingredients. It's more about learning our rights, our laws. And gathering together to support each other in that awareness. You know, when this country was formed, there was a lot of attention on creating those rights and preserving them. And we've gone to sleep. <laughs> we have gone to sleep. Our, our, our education system doesn't teach our children what, what our rights are at all. And we've all been 
you know, when I say all, I mean generally, the, the populace has been seduced by entertainment. And we're not paying attention to the points that are important that will preserve our freedom. So, you know, maybe even getting together and making games of learning the laws together, making it somehow fun, gathering where you're like a quiz show, <laughs> you know, making it somehow enjoyable to learn these fine points so that you can speak immediately without hesitation, that there's some power behind your voice, some confidence when you're speaking the truth, you know, when and you really know it deep down in your gut. You know, as I was listening to Peggy, it was so clear how the words that she spoke, her understanding of it was grounded in this truth knowing, you know, it was totally grounded. There was no wishy-washy there. So it's it's difficult for a, an uneducated, uninformed person to go up against that, to know how to counteract it. They're not expecting it. So that's what we need to become. We need to really become grounded in those truths and wake up to the subtleties of our rights and know the statutes and be able to quote it, you know, just like you would quote your birth date, you know, <laughs> it should be automatic without hesitation. So I'm, I was quite inspired by her. I'm delighted to hear. She was a good find, a good choice. So um, I'm going to kick off with a something which which uh, interested me this week, and it was a I mentioned before this uh, magnetic effect which some people claim they are having uh, after having a, a vaccination or a jab, and you know. We live in an age where a Photoshop and uh, Da Vinci, where you know what we see on TV, what we see in the media, it all can be fixed. It can be faked. It can be dubbed. It can be you know, re-rendered and so on. So, boots on the ground, reality. I did happen to meet somebody this week who had regrettably decided to have two vaccinations. Um, I think it's the uh, the Chinese variety. Uh, whatever that is called. Um, and I made a, a slight comment like, well, how did you choose that one of all the ones in the world? And uh, and the person said, well, you know, it, it just seemed like the right one to do. And I said, well, you know, if I said to you, I'm going to take your car and uh, I found a really good price for Chinese uh, disc brakes, do you mind if I put those on there for you? Uh, I know I'm, it sounds like I'm being very... Uh, 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 generalist here, but the point is, when it comes to important things like brakes on a car, you want to have the best ones, in my point, in my opinion, not the cheapest ones or the ones which are sort of emulated from the other side of the planet and uh, arrive in record time. I'd rather have, you know, a well-known brand that's been tried and tested, and uh, then I would put my life on the line for having good quality brakes on my car. I mean, it's just a no-brainer, in my opinion. Anyway, to cut to the chase, I asked the question, is it possible that I can try and hang a magnet on this person's arm? And it was sort of done in, in, in jest and sort of, you know, light-hearted way. And uh, there happened to be like five or six 
fridge magnets of all different varieties. You know, one one had a stone hanging on it, like a like a pebble. One had uh, one was just like a plastic uh, advert. Another one, you know, had a uh, I don't know a bottle opener or something on it. So some of them were quite heavy, and some of them were quite light. So I said, okay, so where exactly is this? You know, where was the the injection site? And it was there. And uh, I tried with the lightest possible. Uh, magnet first and and strangely enough it did stick and I thought well okay is it is it like due to perspiration it could it be uh, you know stuck on because of you know sweat on the arm perhaps like that I also then obviously moved it to a different position it fell off I thought okay now is it is it because of the angle is it because it's you know not totally vertical the arm is not totally vertical is it like 45 degrees or 30 degrees and so on and again it stuck so I naturally then went on with the next magnet, which was a heavier one and a heavier one, heavier one. All six stuck. And after a little bit of uh, experimentation, the size of the magnetic area seemed to be pretty much the size of the palm of, palm of somebody's hand. It, it was more intense where the actual injection went in. But there is like a magnetic area about the size of the palm of the hand. So that is absolutely 100% first-hand no Photoshop involved um, commentary. So, how have you had any more success with your detoxing, Annette? I think you were mentioning that. Yes. So uh, there's someone that I'm corresponding with, uh, and his name's Chaz. Uh, he's down in the Phoenix area, and he he has a bunch of things that he does with frequency, and he's also a chemist, and. Uh, he has a bunch of different healing things that are very, very interesting. I'm, I'm going to work with him a little bit to see if we can bring some of that to our listeners. They're very, very positive. Something that we could all try, uh, if you know anyone who does have this, uh, we would like to basically do uh, get as many people involved. Uh, if you do know someone who has a magnet that's sticking, um, and I will point out, by the way, that not all vaccines are the same, and it's not just the brand names. In other words, within each, you know, let's say Pfizer, they have multiple types, and there are people that are getting a placebo. So this whole idea that you're safe if you get the vaccine, no, not necessarily. There's nothing going on there because there's placebo. Okay, I just want to point that out. So you may run into one of those. Um, you don't know, and they, they may be putting some things in some and not in the other. It's just going to say that right up front. Okay, so if you do find someone who has a magnet, then the solution that we're trying is a is grading up a fresh taro root. It's T-A-R-O, taro root. You can find it in most Asian and uh, Mexican markets, um, both. And uh, so grate that and then also grate fresh ginger. And the proportions are three parts taro to one part ginger. And then using some kind of flour, so it can be rice flour, wheat flour, potato flour, something to thicken it so it becomes a poultice. And then it, you can apply that to the space, the, the area of the arm, and then for, you know, so it doesn't get all over the place, you know, wrap it with something so that you can go to bed. Have it on there overnight and then take it off in the morning and then check it. There have been some people that the magnets have completely, the magnetism has completely gone away. And there's some people that it was greatly reduced and they needed a second treatment. But it does seem to be effective in pulling things out. And it is a um, traditional uh, way to pull out toxins and detox. So 
in the ingredients list, this can look like uh, the, the nano uh, lipids. It can look like hydrogel. It can look like nanobots. They're, they're calling it many different names. It's kind of like a, there's a website I like to send people to. It's called Truth and Labeling. I don't think they have all this stuff in Truth and Labeling, but it's for foods. And for example, years ago, I haven't looked in a long time, but there's like 40, 40 different names for, uh, you know, MSG. Wow. Uh, that's the same thing with this thing. These ingredients, they're really doing everything they can to confuse you, to make you think that they're different things. Those are all ways to get the microchips into your system. So, so I'm, want- I'm curious how long after they've had the vaccine, like Timothy had that person just had it or had they had it weeks before or a month before? Or how long before? Um, I, I think it must be... I, I don't know the exact date, but it must be something in the order of like two months ago, I guess. Two months ago. Two, two, okay. two months, two, maybe three months ago since the first one, two months since the second one. I don't know exactly. I don't know the person very well. Yeah. But the, the very little bit I do know about that is that it, it seems to be more concentrated initially and then it, it, it gets spread out over time, which makes sense. Um, and there is a certain amount. There, I, I do have a video up. Um, I believe I haven't checked that, uh, uh, about a scientist talking about this, who was developing these. And he said, this is real. You know, this is not, this is not science fiction. And this is scary that these things actually can also replicate. So it is really important to pull those out of there as soon as possible while they're kind of concentrated. That's my understanding so far in the data that we have, which is small, but so uh, we're saying, working on it. You're saying that the tarot root will actually pull them through the skin and Pull them out. Yeah. And there's some question also, because they are metallic, uh, there may be, there was an idea by Chaz, he said, well, maybe if we put a magnet to pull it, to, to, to increase the pull, I don't know if it will help or not. Uh, it's kind of like a, a crude way of looking at, it. So, you know, metal filings will connect to, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll stick to a magnet. So maybe it's something like that. We don't really know. I do also know that if you do have an EMF meter, that the people that have had the vaccines have extraordinarily high levels of EMF, and it is suspected that this is the transmission issue uh, mm. that's making the unvaccinated people quite unhealthy. It's literally radiation poisoning of some form. There is some idea that the spike proteins could be spreading. It's not sure how they're transmitting that. Uh, so there's a lot, there's a lot of questions about this. And a lot of people are just gathering all the data that they can and all the examples they can to try to figure out the patterns. Well, I, will... I, I have one of those. I have an EMF meter. So uh, I, I hmm. may well have some news for you in future shows. Yes. Try that out. It's, it's very much, a, it's a real thing and they have very high levels. Uh, so this is, this, uh, you know, they suspect that maybe this is why the pets are dying around vaccinated people. Uh, mm. And they are dying of hemorrhaging. And, you know, they're, they're oftentimes the person will wake up and their pet's next to them dead with blood in their mouth. I hate to be so graphic, but that's how they're dying. That's so it's, um, you know, it's what, very serious. What do you think, would you care to speculate what do you think this magnetism is? I mean, you've mentioned a few words like hydrogel and nanobots and things and so on. But what do you think the big picture is? I mean, zoom back and where do you think this is going? 
Well, you know, on the, so it was a video we pulled up this week and I think it's on Kathea's items and it was off the dark web uh, of a, a person, I, something Russian, I believe from the language. I'm not absolutely sure, but he found this, uh, he found this information on the dark web that had all the people listed. He looked up his friends that he knew that had gotten the vaccinations or the jab. Really, It's not a vaccination, gotten the jab. And uh, anyway, um, he found that they had all the data on them, of course, you know, uh, all this information where they got it. And they had it, a, a serial number. Um, I do have a video of a CDC person talking about serial numbers. <laughs> so I should put that one up, too. But anyway, they had all that on there. But what was really scary is that they knew where this person was on the planet. They had a tracker on on. They knew every everybody where they were, everyone who had gotten the jab. And they could tell whether they were sleeping or eating or having sex or it was all on there. Then they could tell their blood pressure and their blood sugar and all kinds of data uh, mm. that they were collecting all the time. So from- like like Dr. Carrie Madai was telling us a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's in, uh, so this this person, it's on it's on our page there. You can go through the video. There are English subtitles for that. Uh, so this looks quite nefarious i mean there's no way around it sure but the other hand it's not verified either i mean like you mentioned no. you weren't sure which language the original right uh, was, was made in so we, we also right. don't know if it's been dubbed or correctly translated either but uh it's yeah it, it it does look like some form of uh identification and what i thought was surprising was that after israel pushed so very hard for people to have vaccine passports electronic ones that I heard this week that actually stopped the pro- the program. I'd, as I said in my opening, I don't believe it's actually stopped for one minute because, you know, the, the app will still be on the phone or that the damage is already done and that the, the numbers exist, the files exist, the, you know, the, the system is up, has been up. I can't believe it's just been switched off and everything deleted. I, I really don't. I wouldn't trust that for a heartbeat, right? No. <laughs> no. And, and the and the other thing is is that they got a, a a certain number, a certain percentile, and I do totally believe, and this is my opinion, but I have a pretty grounded thing in science with to have this opinion that this is absolutely a bioweapon. It was from the documentation that I'm finding from Pfizer and Moderna and stuff that they knew that it had the uh, transmission, which some people are errantly calling shedding. You you need to have a you need to have a virus present in order for it to shed. There's no virus. There's no partial virus. It can't be there because they've never found one. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. This is well, unless, a, of course, the vaccine includes a virus, of course. It could be. The well, that, yes, it, that's, yeah. So they've done this to us before, right? Think about HIV and Lyme's. Okay, these mm-hmm. are, um, this is where those come from. So when when uh, you you have those things injected, um you, you've got to look at what they're what they're really after, and in this case, they've gotten super tricky because look with with HIV, you know, you could have sex with uh, somebody oh, and get it, but now all you do is stand next to them. You know, this is a lot. This is a lot worse. I mean, uh, it makes you you know like, and and again, it's about dividing. I mean, now you, do you trust people to stand next to them? I don't personally. I've gotten ill twice from people i'm really not hip to doing it a third time (laughs) so uh and by the way i wanted to say to people if you're interested in this topic 
uh, do go to the Telegram channel called uh, Vaccine Shedding and go to get the Telegram app and go to Vaccine Shedding. They have a huge amount of wonderful information and people are inputting stuff from all over the world and their experiences and they're collecting all the data and they're making a documentary. So if you're interested in this topic, that's a great resource. Okay, I'll check it out. Absolutely. Kintia, I, I know that Annette was sensitive and she, she said just said that she felt unwell after two yeah, two potential yeah, encounters with people who have, well, not potential, but two encounters that people had been vaccinated. Did you have, were you also part of that same encounter well, or did you well, have any I reaction? Was, I was with the same people, but I have a very strong immune system. So I, I think it's, yeah, I, I personally am, I'm okay, but I also witnessed how it was for Anetta and, at first, we didn't realize that what was that was what was going on, you know. And then uh, several days later, she saw the information on that, and it pretty much matched up with what she was reading. So it wasn't like she was projecting that idea and then came down with it. She came down with the symptoms and then afterwards learned, oh, that matches up. But I am one of those that I probably could walk through fire. <laughs> no, it's not true, but sometimes I feel that way. I'm a canary in the coal mine. <laughs> anyway, hey, we're, we're at break, and so uh, we're having a great time discussing all this. And I will, I will take us out, and you're listening to The Other Side of the News. This is uh, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, our show this evening. And you're uh, with your host, Timothy Saunders, Kinthea, and myself, Annette Driscoll. We'll be back. Here's the big word, law. It stands for land, air, water. When you are born and you come into this world, you're born on the land, not the water. That's what the bar operates in. That's their jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of the sea. Okay? Law stands for land, common law. A stands for air, acoustical law, canon law, and W stands for water, which is admiralty maritime law. That's what lawyers are trained in, which is contract law. It's the difference between legal and lawful is legal applies to that which is incorporated, right? Legal persons, which are fictions that are created when we're born. That's what the birth certificate represents people, okay? It's very disturbing when you understand that truth. The other side of the news, my name's Christopher James, and I just wanted to give my full support to these wonderful people who are bringing incredible light forward at this time and moment in our world. The truth has never been more important, and I was incredibly blessed to be with them and share with them enormous truths on our very first interview, and I'm looking forward to coming back and seeing our world finally coming together under one hood, under one understanding that there's truly only one of us, and that there's only love that matters in this world, and this one truth is going to save our world and i'm so blessed to be able to bring this forward and share this light with my fellow man and woman from this show this evening so support them all you can moving forward they're an incredible bunch of people and godspeed
back to the other side of the news. Our show tonight, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. We had an amazing guest, Peggy Hall. And we're continuing, the three of us, the co-hosts, Timothy Saunders, Annetta Driscoll, and myself, Kinthea. So, Annetta, I know you had prepared a lot of topics, so we will journey with you through those topics. Thank you. Well, I had collected what I call this week's absurdities. So I thought, you know, this is everything's so serious and we have so many things that are going on in this world. And these are things that are going on, too. But you have to scratch your head and kind of think, hmm. So I think I'll just start to talk about these and you guys can chime in as you want uh, about some of these things. I'm sure you'll have some comments. So the first thing I was going to talk about was paying workers to stay home and watch Netflix and chill all day. Hmm. Uh, this is, you know, an area where the mainstream press has been noticeably silent. And uh, there's plenty of stories about the high unemployment rates in the United States and I'm sure the rest of the world. But uh, they rarely talk about how much the government is incentivizing people to not work. Um, and so... It's easy to see the effects of a policy like this. Uh, you know, if you look at Uber and Lyft, for example, they have complained that there's massive driver shortages and resulting in really long wait times and higher prices. Nearly half of all the small businesses in the country are struggling to find workers. So, uh, you know, this, uh, but this trend for money for nothing remember that song, Money for Nothing, is growing. And uh, there's even a Reddit group called Anti-Work with 317,000 members whose goal is unemployment, not for all, just for the rich. Now, being an entrepreneur since I was 11 years old, I don't understand how someone could think that rich people don't work or somehow become rich just because of unemployment benefits. I can assure you that's not the case. Uh, this is such a strange, you know, assertion, I say. And, uh, you know, people are becoming wealthy because they work hard and they almost, uh, mostly because they work smart. It's, it's, you know, so maybe it's the jab. I don't know. What do you guys think? It's, uh, this is a crazy thing economically. You have any input well, here? I, I think that they are wanting to uh, set us up to accept communism, accept socialism, that, that, that's the inspiration, you know, and people, we've been trained for so long, you know, get something for nothing, free this, free that. Uh, we've, we've lost a work ethic. I mean, not to say all people have, no. I mean, certainly the people that I know, including myself, I would say we're probably on the other side, workaholics. But for a good many of the people, it's, uh, they think that's a freedom, but it's it's a false candy it's it's uh like hansel and gretel is to get them into that house and then lock them up yeah it's like it's creating this uh you know never-ending cycle of dependency you know because the economy will never fully recover as long as you're paying people not to work i mean you know it's extraordinary that so many people including politicians they don't seem to grasp the basics of how the economy grows and prospers here and, you know, as, uh, the idea that there's consumers and there's producers and there's supply and there's demand and, you know, one doesn't survive without the other. So we've got both sides of the coin and they're trying to like eliminate a whole side there. And, you know, I don't know, you, you can't make a coin without both sides. 
So this is just one of those things. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's something new, though, Annette. I mean, I'm just looking back in the last few decades. I, you know, I mean, clearly people used to have one job and that used to suffice and they used to have, you know, uh, holidays and buy cars and buy homes and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this is kind of linked to the inflation, inflation meaning devaluation, um, in my opinion. But, you know, I, I seem to remember just a blast in the past when I was, you know, I, I think I was like 15 years old or something like that. I had some friends and they, uh, their, their parents were father was, I think, English and the mother was American. That's right. Yeah. And they were living in the UK for a while and they went back to live in USA. And I remember we, we sort of kept in touch with them for a while. But what I found very surprising was when we went to visit them is they, they all, they had multiple jobs and, you know, the whole concept of having like not going to one job, one career job, but the idea of having three different jobs and visiting, you know, up to three different places in one week. Uh, was was quite alien to me back in those days, mm-hmm. but I think that the work, the idea of working has obviously changed. It's morphing. It's been more for decades. I think people have to work a lot harder to earn, you know, the same money. And the other point is that because of inflation, in other words, devaluation of of the dollar or you know any any currency that linked to it, then that in itself means you know, people have to work harder again, on a different level, just to earn the same amounts of money to buy the same amount of stuff that they had before. So I think that this is not something new. I think it is a definitely a, a change of gear. Well, um, I, I think promoting the idea of not working and that it's that we should just all get paid some stipend and not be contributing or not, you know, not productive. I mean, that's, that's the idea of, of, you know, welfare over here, unemployment and, and a discretionary income. I hear what you're saying because the discretionary income, I used to have this discussion with my dad all the time. You know, it's not, he, he kept comparing it to as if we were in the 1950s and discretionary income's gone to, to nothing. And I mean, it used to be in the fifties, you know, one person could work and support an entire, they could, they could own a house, uh, they could have one or two cars and they could support an entire family on a just very average job. So. I also want to mention how demoralizing it is when people are not actually contributing to life. You know, uh, I think that that creates a state of a population that is very low self-esteem and likewise then become low achievers. To feel integrated with life, we have to feel that we're contributing in some fashion. It, you know, every everyone needs to feel that in order to feel integrated with life. If you don't would, have that, you start to question your purpose here on life, and I would say that that is also affecting the suicide rates. Absolutely, I think that you know to take that a step further. I mean, it also gives a feeling of self-value. And when you contribute, as right. you get a reflection or several reflections, and that gives a feeling of self-value and self-value, self-importance, um, is something which also seems to be part of this sort of psyop to, to, to split people, not only split communities, but also to split people's own value of themselves or, or reflection of themselves as well, which I think is obviously very damaging. So, 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that that right. is. And when, and when our value is low, then we say, well, we don't deserve to have blah, blah, blah. And we just accept and acquiesce. Well, when your value is low, you'll, you'll do something like, oh, this job is so valuable. It's more valuable than my life. So I'll take this vaccine. That's exactly what happens. All good points, yeah. I mean, we're sort of, you know, uh, discussing the shady side of all of this and the dark side of this. But I think Kintia is absolutely right. You know, everybody should find, I mean, it, it's, it's again, nothing to do with this, this pandemic. But I mean, generally, people should try and find their purpose in life and their goal in life. Because obviously, when people enjoy what they do, uh, it, it's not a question of money or, or labor. Or it, it, when people are passionate, they just enjoy and they thrive from it. So, mm-hmm. well, well, the good side of this this uh, pandemic is that a lot of people have had a, a a chance to recalibrate, to rethink. They've worked from home, they've lost their jobs, they've done whatever, and they've had a chance to restart, rethink. Uh, is this something I want to continue with? Is it is this something I value in my life? So, the good side of this whole thing is that a lot of people have had that kind of epiphanies. Mm-hmm. I think. But I think it also comes down to, you know, knowledge, not knowledge, it, it's awareness of what can be out there. And you know, we're talking earlier with Peggy and you know, the whole point to become better educated about what, what's going on around us, more aware of what, what's going on around us. I mean, personally, I, I've used some of this lockdown time. Uh, it hasn't really affected me because I'm I'm kind of an independent, you know, uh, uh, designer anyway. So it hasn't really affected me hugely. Uh, but there are, of course, many people that have been affected. But what I will say is that any any differences in time or time that I can make use of, I, I always invest that time in either bettering myself or learning about something or, you know, trying something, a new skill or pushing myself to improve a skill I already, you know, am, I'm able to, to sort of, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, I'm talking specific about design or I'm talking about art or I'm talking about um, technology, something along those lines, things that I find particularly interesting. Um, so I'm always looking to better myself. And I think that that's a reflection of, of my character. But I don't think I'm special in that respect. I think everybody is able to do that. I mean, whether it's their, you know, improving their cooking or improving their skills at brushing the cat, I've, I've no idea. But... Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's a reflection of your own value again. Yeah, okay. It's that creative expression. You, It's the natural inclination to expand and to grow. You know, to just keep doing something repetitively is so boring. So, of course, whatever it is we're engaged in, that we can bring our creativity to and expand on is very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me go my my next little point here in the absurdity list because I have a fairly long absurdity list here. <laughs> uh, but you know, speaking of expanding your mind, so uh, I'm just going to read this little blurb while promoting the film Fast and Furious Nine to a Taiwanese reporter. A pro pro wrestler turned actor John Senna said Taiwan is the first country that can watch the F9 film. Chinese fans and probably government online trolling bots immediately attacked the actor for referring to Taiwan as a country. China insists that Taiwan is part of the People's Republic of China. 
He quickly issued a pathetic, groveling video apology speaking in Mandarin. He said in one interview, I made a mistake. I need to say now that this is very, 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 very important. I love and respect China and the Chinese people. I'm very, very sorry as to my mistake. I really apologize for it. Yes, he really added that many varies. Wow. So <laughs> and this is like, well, yes, it is a country. You know, people, you know, really, we need to, to they are a country. Uh, just because another country, if another country said to either of us, you know, oh, we, well, your country doesn't count. It's, um, you know, we decided that it's ours. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I have been there and it most definitely did say on the airport sign, welcome to Taiwan. It didn't say welcome to China. So <laughs> absolutely. I've been there, too. It's a beautiful airport. You know, it's yes, absolutely. They're then they're fiercely uh, protect their independence from China. So anyway, so to go on. Uh, Google announced new features for its Android products, which includes an assisted writing tool called Smart Canvas. Smart Canvas can track you across programs like Docs and meet and monitor your language. You monitor your language for you, aren't you lucky? Uh, for example, if you accidentally type something sexist like chairman, ooh, the tool will suggest gender neutral term instead like chairperson. And if we're really lucky, this is my own thing here, and if we're really lucky, if when we write Taiwan, Google's new tech may immediately correct us and suggest China instead. Wow. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I absolutely detest these little gimmicks in, in smartphones that when you're typing, it tries to, you know, they call it preemptive text or whatever. It, it, it's absolutely Auto awful. Autocorrect. Yeah, I, I've tried to switch it off so many times, but it keeps creeping back in somehow. And uh, as I have multi-language options on my phones um i have a i don't know a, a, a turkish phone in english then it tries to predict my texts half in turkish and half in english which doesn't really help anybody but uh but me but this is all part of making people lazy i mean even the smartphone itself it makes us lazy in, our, in the way we think and it's changed the way we think i think it's changed our thought form because there was a time when I think we all knew people's telephone numbers and, you know, I'm not saying that that was a lot of fun, but we didn't have to think it was just, you know, this is the, 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 the dial it and it's done. But now you push a button or a symbol, an icon. Uh, I know and people who forget their own telephone number. <laughs> you ask them what's their number to say, just a moment, I have to look. Is it possible? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, well, you know, I have to admit that I've become a little bit lazy with that. Like I, I'm very, I have a great sense of direction. Thank God. I have a great sense of direction. Got that from my dad. My mom has terrible sense of direction. She'd lose cars in the parking garage all the time. Anyway. Uh, but you know, I used to know how to get around everywhere, every street, uh, San Francisco. I was a sales rep there. I, I can tell you it's, it, I could go inside, outside, sideways and backwards and not be lost. And now I'm kind of, kind of feeble minded because I've gotten really addicted to my GPS. Um, and I used to say, well, it was, you know, the traffic is terrible and I wanted to avoid traffic. But when you do that all the time, you kind of lose your mind for your sense of direction or your, or I'd say your memorization of directions, you know. What do you guys think? Yes. <laughs> yes. 
I steer by the sun. Oh, oh he's not. <laughs> or the stars. Okay. All right. No, I, all right. I, I think it's pretty clear which way it is. I, I, I don't use GPS at all. Uh, I guess yeah, it's useful to know if there's traffic ahead or if there's an accident and a pileup or, you know, a, a, a delay ahead. That's quite useful. But I like to I like to navigate with my eyes and my mind. It's uh, it's, it's definitely preferable. I mean, I, I you know, like I said, I get addicted because I I'm always driving the same route. So I absolutely know where I'm going, but I never know what the traffic's like. I get you in that habit. Right. So anyway. So anyway, I, I have one like creating shortcuts. Yeah, <laughs> we sometimes aren't short. <laughs> well, I have one here for Timothy. It's about the UK. I have actually a lot of them about the UK. They're they're on they're on special absurdity week, I think. Uh, but uh, I had noticed this one little article that uh, the government the, the government in the UK has graciously allowed its citizens to leave the country. Isn't that amazing? Um, but they require vacationers to quarantine when they arrive back in the UK. Timothy knows all about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I know how, how I didn't do that, but yes. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> As usual, it doesn't matter uh, if you've been vaccinated or tested negative for COVID, because we know it's nothing about that, is it? It's about control. Um, so you still have to quarantine for 10 days. So... While you're quarantining, the UK will spend mountains of taxpayer funds to deploy a team of police that are capable of knocking on, get this, 10,000 doors per day to check up on you. Any naughty little dissidents who have left their bedrooms when they're not supposed to be in timeout, when they're supposed to be in timeout, yeah, uh, could face fines up to $10,000. Yeah. Meanwhile, if you lie about where you're quarantining, or uh, which countries you visited to, you can face 10 years in prison. And then I also... The 10-year quarantine. Yeah, the 10-year quarantine. Yeah, so meanwhile, you know, uh, in New York, there's no bails. They New York City is absolutely a crime fest. Uh, California, they're letting 72,000 prisoners uh, out of jail. These are violent criminals. Uh, they're letting them out of prison if they take the jab. If you take the jab you get out. It doesn't matter what you did, murder or whatever. It doesn't matter. You can, you can get out. Amazing. So yeah, but if you, you break wonder your... what they know, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not wondering a lot, you know, but uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So that's all going on there. What do you think? That is totally absurd. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's, you know, it just, it, there are no words. I mean, where does it go if they're letting people who are convicted go free if they take the vaccination? I mean, what what does that say about anything? I mean, it, it's just... Uh, well, yeah, and they want to get rid of the cops. They're trying to get rid of all the police force. They're, they're removing all the bonds. You don't have to have a bond if you're out. There's no such thing as out on bond. You don't need a bond. You're just out. There's, you know, so what leverage is there, right? Oh, hang on a second. Hey, Let's just go back to the point we were talking about earlier. So people who are being let out without a bond, without ankle bracelets, whatever it is that people can be tracked with, mm-hmm. if they have the vaccination, they no longer need any of that because perhaps dot, 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 they can be tracked. <laughs> Could be. That's a great idea. Yeah, maybe that's one of the things that they know that we don't. Huh? <laughs> 
it's pretty mm. it's pretty uh, i don't I want any of that well, so it sounds to me like it's really deliberate to create chaos if they know that they're shedding back you know yes that so was my first thought yeah you, they're creating chaos because they're letting people out who don't have jobs so they're going to be drifting around aimlessly some of them will be getting into trouble some won't but even just their presence is creating a problem yes and and you know uh it could be execution by injection and because we don't know you know they're uh you know we don't know they might have a special vaccine we don't know but I, you know, I kind of question that because there's a big thing, and I got deeply into it this week about the uh, private prison system and how they're all connected and making money. And it's the same people. And it was Biden who passed the uh, law back in 97 that caused those prisons to fill up because it was a money-making venture, and they were all secret handshaking behind the scenes. And, uh, and it was extremely racist. Uh, it was against black men. I'll be blunt. It was just straight up very much that way and it was to make money off the prison system and to you know kind of go along with that racist agenda um so we have a lot of cleanup to do yeah, but, but it makes me wonder why would they want to give up the income they've been having from these prison hotels well, that's, that's what i just said yeah i don't know this is where it doesn't quite match up i'm not sure are they going to put other people in there are they going to put you know i don't know oh these are going to be non-vaxxer internment camps. Right. They could be. We don't know. So we better start standing up for our, uh, we better start standing up fast, people. So uh, so I, I have a very funny one to kind of wrap up in here. Uh, I thought this was the best one of the, all the ones that I was rooting around and finding. I have hundreds and hundreds of things, you guys. If you want to... Uh, if you're interested in all kinds of topics and all worldwide events and different things from military movement to economics to whatever, go to the Patrick Henry channel. I put all kinds of articles there uh, and it's on telegram and uh, the link is on my bio, I think. Right. Cynthia. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So if you guys want to follow some of this stuff, you can pick and choose what you'd like to watch and look, but uh, there's a just a huge amount of information. But anyway, my favorite one of the week, this is my absolute favorite, which I'm saving for last year, is about the White House. Oh, yeah. White House partners with dating apps to promote vaccines. Kid you not. Okay. So here, here we go. The uh, White House Task Force has announced its partnership with dating apps like OkCupid, Bumble, Tinder, and Hinge to promote vaccination. Now people can add badges and filter out non-vaccinated people from the results. The White House spokesman said the apps will, quote, help people meet people who have had the universally attractive quality they've been vaccinated against COVID-19 and that people who display their vaccination status are 14% more likely to get a match. Woohoo! You know, <laughs> Dr. Fauci, you know, clearly this guy is, is the guy to, to look up to if you're a young person, you know, and you should take di dating advice from this guy because he knows so much more and he's, you know, so consistent about his policies. That's what I would say. You know, what's ironic is uh, Fauci never seems to be sure about anything, but he's sure about this. He waffles about vac what vaccination rate would cause the U.S. to reach herd immunity. Um, he, uh, 
He's uh, flummoxed why Florida and Texas have declining rates of COVID months ago after dropping their statewide statewide ma- um, mask mandates. And where did we put that isolated virus? Hmm, where is it? Where is it? I don't know. Anyway, the only thing that Dr. Fraudchi seems to be sure about is that young people will have 14% more sex if they're vaccinated. Does uh. that include? Does that include making? Out with a mask or without a mask, you know, you should just trust the science. It sounds horrific. I mean, <laughs> it, it just sounds like all part of the uh, eugenics uh, strategy, in my opinion. It, it's, uh, it's people team up who've been vaccinated to, uh, I mean, this is whole question of sterility as well, which people have not really had chance to measure yet. Yes, it's speculation, it's prediction, it, but... We have had a number of guests on the show who have said that, you know, there are these additives that can be added to, you know, what they call vaccines, which not only make the person sterile, but also it makes that any of the partners that they go with in the future also sterile. So I would suggest that if anybody's swiping whichever way it is they have to swipe, I would suggest they... They swipe in a direction which does not have a vaccine. <laughs> Boy, well, that's for sure, isn't it? One benefit of them revealing themselves on the dating side is you know who to avoid. Absolutely. That's a, that was my first thought. It's like, well, if, if I was out there doing that, that's that would be so helpful to know. Like, you know, you could avoid all those sheeple right off the bat. And also, you know, the people that have chosen to do this, I know there's there's all different people that have been coerced for different ways, but really, honestly, I have to say I view them as very non-thinking because the information's out there and they're not bothering to make themselves a priority and even, for example, know what's in the vaccine. So I, I would rather, if I was looking for someone like, I would rather just skip all that. You know, I'd rather skip people like that. It, it's actually very self-sorting. So... Yeah, I, I think it's going to be pretty obvious if you, if you meet somebody and uh, they will not remove their mask, then that somebody is probably, it's not somebody I'd want to spend a lot of time with. So it, it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. 90 seconds. But, uh, well, we're at the end of the show. The show was a little bit of uh, a, a different order. We, uh, I think it was nonetheless enjoyable. I think we had a chance to sort of relax a little bit and to, to discuss and, and show a little bit more of our personal opinions. So I enjoyed the show. Thank you both very much. And uh, I'm, I'm going to call this out. So despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda, to make your own independent research, to stop acquiescing and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power and you wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of The Other Side of the News. This 59th edition is entitled Bridge Over Troubled Water and remains available to all listeners free of charge at www.theothersideofmidnight.com forward slash TOSN. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with co-host and producer Kintia and co-host and researcher Annette Driscoll, I'll offer special thanks to our guest Peggy Hall. We wish you all a very positive week, 
and look forward to reconnecting with you next Friday. Good night. Good night, all. Bye.